0: from the oxano podcast network welcome to my ministry breakthrough hosted by me brian rose this podcast is all about pastors sharing unfiltered stories of moments large and small of times when the fog of ministry chaos clears and breakthrough clarity happens um we we can't control people's
1: offenses um, what we can do is make sure that we are, we are setting up an environment very intentionally. When people come into our, quote unquote, house on the weekend, mm-hmm. um, when, when people come into our spaces, we can make sure that we have done everything possible to help them hear one clear, cohesive message.
0: Every Sunday, someone is a guest at your church for the first time. What will their experience be like this weekend? Will there be so many distractions from parking to finding the door, to dropping off their kids, that the message you want them to hear, the gospel message, is competing with a bunch of other messages? Messages like, we are busy, we are full, you are late, or even your child is down a maze of confusing halls. Even the message of, you're not a part of all this. You see, it's one thing for a church to be friendly and completely another to be truly welcoming. My guest in this episode is Danny Franks, pastor of guest services at The Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina. Even though Danny and I go deep in the weeds of leading a successful guest services team, everything we talk about is anchored in the deep conviction that the gospel is the primary message each and every week at The Summit. Great first impressions matter to the summit because people are the mission and we have the most important message across eternity for them. What would happen if even those who stand at arm's length from your theology experience a warm embrace from your people this Sunday? No, I'm not talking literally. Let's not go hugging every first time guest, especially if some feel like a handshake is too invasive these days. Really, it just means that closing the back door of your church requires getting some things right at the front door. Lean in and listen up to Danny Franks, pastor of guest services at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina. So tell us about your story with Summit. How did you end up here, and and especially in the role you're in? Give us just a kind of a snapshot of the church and your role in it. Yeah, so I've been here uh, on staff for 15 years,
1: uh, part of the church for 16 years. Um, If if folks know uh, a little bit of the story of the Summit, um, they may know that we are either uh, 16 or 56 years old, depending on who's counting. Um, Wait, wait, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, so we launched, uh, or we were officially established as a church 1962 okay Uh, we at the time of this recording uh 56 years ago, and uh, we, we were uh, relaunched as the Summit Church in 2002. And so that that came about after just a, a few years of, of kind of wandering in the wilderness, figuring out who right. we are. In um, 2002, uh, our current pastor, J.D. Greer, came in and uh, uh, began just to uh, lay out some vision for, for yeah. a lot of different things that uh, he felt like was in front of us. And a lot of our core membership and leaders at that time were just fully uh, unanimous behind that and on board with that. And so as a part of that kind of renewed vision and a renewed um, heartbeat for our community and, and for the world around us, uh, the decision was made to, to change the name of the church, uh, and, and just to kind of adapt a new identity, uh, from, you know, from, from some of the things that God was doing. Yeah. And so, uh, my, my family and I started attending just a few weeks after JD became okay. a pastor. A friend invited us in. Um, and we were, I, I was currently at Southeastern Seminary getting my, uh, master's degree at that point. Um, had no interest in driving to a church that was 45 minutes away from where I lived. Uh, we showed up for a, a Christmas, uh, concert uh really excited about it but still had no intention of ever coming back for a weekend service and uh, finally one weekend my wife attended I was out uh, speaking somewhere and she attended with uh, with her brother who had originally invited us and um, she called me that afternoon and said I, I found our church and we showed back up that next week and never left uh, hung around for about a year they finally ended up started paying me uh, starting to pay me and so um, I've been here since uh, 2003 as uh, one of the staff members my uh, initial title was Connections Pastor. Recently changed that to Pastor of Guest Services. Okay, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's our how we got so to the Summit story. Do you
0: do you know? I mean, it was a little bit before your time, but mm-hmm. you're right in those early years. Yeah. Do You remember a little bit of the hallmark or the kind of the some of the language mm-hmm. around that early identity that JD brought in. I mean, what was it that made? summit, summit in those days. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we when we first showed up,
1: there there had still not been any kind of measurable growth that yeah. had happened. Uh, because again, it was just a few weeks yeah. after yeah. Uh, JD became lead pastor. And so, you know, it was 300, 350 people on a good yeah. Sunday. Um, but, but there was just all of this, uh, that, and it wasn't just from leadership. It yeah. was from the pews, this palpable excitement of God is doing something here. Not just doing something on the weekends, but doing something in the middle of the week with relationships that we have with our neighbors and with our coworkers and all of that and so people were people were getting excited about sharing the gospel inviting people to church um what was it that was into, prompting that? I, I think it was a lot of just after after being in, I say wilderness, yeah. you know, that, that may sound a little bit more dire than it needs to. Um, we had a three-year interim, which in church world, uh, church years, that's, that's like 17 decades. Yeah, yeah. Um, But our interim was... There, there are people around here that if you say one crossword around our interim, um, they will just shoot you in the face and not you, apologize. Yeah, because yeah. he was, he was the man that began to turn the ship around. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a lot of bullets in his back to to do so, yeah. but at the same time, uh, I think was the guy that God had placed right here to get things ready Set the to begin table. to pave the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, um, and and so by the time uh, by the time JD came in, uh, of course he had been at the church you yeah. know for a couple of years yeah. as as College pastor, and um, so people knew him. He knew them. Yeah, there was yeah. no honeymoon period necessary. Yeah. Uh, he he just came in ready to go, and, and so there were uh, just a lot of great things that that we were just beginning to see a work of God that that we had never really seen before. And I say we yeah. collectively, yeah. even though I was I was really new at that point, point. Um, and, and so there were a lot of uh, a lot of here's where we're going yeah. uh, language. And, and I was looking around going, I don't think that they've done a lot of studies on this because I don't think this is possible, you know, <laughs> owe me a little faith. Uh, but, but at You're the same time— You were in seminary time, at the time, exactly. so you were so much smarter. Oh, I, I you know, knew right. yeah, all yeah, that there was to yeah. know. Uh, but, but at the same time, we just began to see God yeah. drop these very real moments of, I am doing something here yeah. that you can't explain any other way besides, I am doing something here. Can, what was one of those? I, I think one of those. I mean, I, I remember very clearly one of our very first weekends that we had showed up. Uh, JD said, We are going to have a um, thousand people here on Easter Sunday. And I looked around, and if there were 350 people, yeah. that was a yeah. and I was like, This guy has no clue. College, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and we had, I think it was something like 1107 or, wow. or something. And on that Easter Sunday, I remember looking at my wife and saying, there's something to this yeah. like there is there is more than just we created a number out of thin air yeah. um you know the, the lord is is obviously doing mm-hmm. something here that none of us can can see or explain um and from that point forward it was just a kind of a a, a roller coaster of okay get in sit down buckle up and hang on because uh we you know the 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 growth began to happen yeah.
0: at that point what was it when your wife Miriam? Is that right? Miriam yeah, correct? Uh-huh. When she came back and said, "Hey, I think I found our church." Yeah, what did she? did she tell you what it was would was she able to put words to that I, I can remember her very clearly saying um that
1: the things that we have been looking for and praying for and mm-hmm. always saying that, that wouldn't it be great to be able to find a church like yeah. this we're finding it Good. here you know it was uh, and, and and not to say the churches we have been involved yeah, yeah. in beforehand but but just that all of those different elements were coming together um mm-hmm. you know a church with a uh, a, a really big emphasis on thinking outside of the walls a right. church that was um committed to um solid biblical preaching a, a church that was uh really i mean just even in worship was was just something like nothing we had ever you know, seen before, yeah. um, and, and so it was. The, I think it was those things that was an, an initial draw, and then realizing that once you got past those initial things that attracted us, um, there were there were some really foundational things that that kept us uh, like around. Um, I, I think some of that. I mean, obviously, the relationships was yeah. was one yeah. of them. Um, you know, I still can remember the the one or two people that that walked across the room the first weekend we showed up and said, Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Um, And I know for, you know, for two people that are, that don't, I mean, we, yes, we had a couple of friends that were already in the church, but really beyond that didn't know anybody Um, had that not been present. We wouldn't have shown back up um, because it was just so awkward. I mean, because those were in the days where we had Sunday school. So not only did you have to go into a strange worship service, you had to go to a strange Sunday school class. And, uh, and and so relationships was one, but just um, even even beginning to think through how do we um h- how do we take this from what happens inside the pews mm-hmm. on a weekend to make this replicable in everyday life? Um, I think that was something that I had just never like i I had not really personally wrestled with that a lot. yeah, um, and, and so to be not only, Hearing the gospel on the weekend, but living the gospel during the week, it was just a, a, a different thing for us. And being a part of a group,
0: being a part of a group there. that everybody was like, that's that's where everyone was. So let's go back to that walk across the room moment because yeah. I know that's close to your heart. I know that's mm-hmm. that's kind of you know your passion, your heartbeat. There um, was that was that kind of early formationally mm-hmm. like this is this is what you know was it is was there a defining day in that in that season that you can kind of look back on like how how do we get to to today yeah so um,
1: I, I think part of that is just kind of explaining um, the way that I actually came on to staff yeah um, I I uh, one, one of our one of our pastors, um, still here, uh, came to me and he said, uh, "And we we were, we had become friends by yeah, this point." Yeah. He said, "Listen, we're, we're thinking about hiring a couple of positions next year. One is a college pastor, one is an assimilation pastor." And uh, you know, I, just the the age and stage of our kids at that point, I thought college ministry is probably not a wise yeah, choice at yeah. this time. Um, and I said, "I don't know what assimilation pastor is." And he said, "Yeah, none of us do. So you get to build that." And I thought, "What? Well, that sounds right." at Miley. I like building things. Um, and, and so uh, my, my initial one sentence job description was shut the back door. In a very rapidly growing church, we got a lot of people coming in the front, a lot of people going out the back because there's no sticky systems, shut the back door. And so for that first couple of years, it was just building out um, our connections process, membership process, helping, you know, get people into groups and serving teams and all of that. But then, two or three years in, realized that while the back door was shutting more effectively, uh, we were becoming more ineffective in opening the front door because we were in a very landlocked building. Um, we were out of space. We were adding services left and right, but people were showing up, not knowing where to park, not knowing the door to go into, not knowing, mm. you know. I mean, they, and they were coming into just mass chaos because it was, you know, we were we were shoving. I, I don't know. I'm drawing, pulling numbers out of the air, but we were, we were putting like 650 people into a 500 person auditorium. Um, and it was, it was just pandemonium. And so we, we began looking at what would it be like if we took um, some of the, the systems that we've had in place for years, you know, ushers handing out bulletins at the doors. Right. And what if we, move that into something else so you know you, you do the obvious so you guys don't hand first. out boltons anymore well yeah, i mean you know, we hand out a few things but <laughs> um but yeah you know, we have the, the order of service holy spirit goes right here in between the first and second yeah, song yeah. um but but we have um you know we, we began adding the obvious things right throw a parking team in put a couple of people yeah, at the front yeah. doors to open them or, or whatever um but but then we just realized that there was that wasn't all that there was, um you know there, what, do you, there was, wait, what
0: do you mean you, you mean just having the people, the teams, the people in place doing what they were supposed to be doing wasn't all,
1: yeah, because i think I think what we realized was um is that nobody wants to give their life away to show up for uh, to show up to help somebody find a parking spot, right. Nobody wants to, yeah. I, I, one of your recent guests, I think maybe it was Phil Eubank, I think, yeah. said um, church is a lousy hobby. Yeah. Uh, I believe that was him yeah. who said that. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, serving on a guest services, hospitality, first impressions, whatever you want to call it, team, serving on that team is an awful lot of fun for about three weeks <laughs> and then it becomes a really lousy hobby yeah. if there's not some substance behind that. And so I think for us, you know, we we had to realize really quickly that if all we're calling people to do is to show up and check off a box and throw on a dorky orange vest and stand out in a parking lot in the freezing cold or the blazing hot, um, we're going to get them really excited about that for a for a very short that that's got a really or short shelf for one like
0: Easter weekend, exactly, or for, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so, and, and so, part of it for me, Brian, was just realizing that, you know, in in a church where we put so much emphasis on, this is how the gospel shapes everything that we do, um, a church that puts so much emphasis on missions and church planting mm-hmm. and all of these sort of things. I mean, honestly. I was sitting kind of on the sidelines, running this ministry that felt very much attractional, very much come and see, um, and and began to ask the question: Is this like is this something that is important in the grand scheme of things? Meaning of what we're doing? The
0: guest services. Meaning the guest services yeah. experience is that like, really
1: important when it comes yeah. to the gospel? And yeah, and is this something that is it all just fluff? And I think there, you know, there could be people that are, that are listening to this that they're thinking about either they're in one of two camps. Either they have an existing, whatever you call it, hospitality
0: first impression. Welcome team first impression. Yeah. Let's not use first touch. Right, right. I exactly. Mean, can, we, can we use other <laughs> right. words than Anything that? Anything besides yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Um, but, but are, are there, you know, they're either there where they've already got this existing system that they're not really sure what to do with and they're asking those questions or they're thinking about starting that. And eventually
0: they will ask those questions of is this really important? Right. What what prompted the before we move forward? Is what yeah. prompted that question? Why were you wrestling with that? Because on the surface, it's like, well, yeah, you gotta have somebody to open the door. And yeah, I mean, if the parking lot's crazy, gotta, yeah. why 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 were you going deeper with it? I, I think I I can remember one of our staff members saying at one point that
1: there are there are roles in the church um, that are more like family chores. Nobody wants to take out the garbage, but somebody has to take out the garbage. And and I get I, I know exactly what he was meaning behind that. I get the yeah. I get I get it. But I didn't want us to equate serving on a hospitality team as taking out the garbage. Yeah. Who wants to give their life to that?
0: Cleaning the poop out of the backyard. Exactly. Yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and so and so that's when it just kind of set off this, you know, Henry Backley style crisis of belief there yeah. where it was, it was kind of like, okay, is this do I really want to hitch my wagon to this ministry area for however long that the Lord leaves me in the middle of this? And I, I, I gosh, we're what talking Were you saying about-
0: like, based upon like that kind of frame of reference, like, hey, this is, these are the chores we have to do around the church, guest services, hospitality. When people think of it as chores, you're sitting there going, do I really want to be the chore taker? Do I want to be the, the, the lead chore manager? Or is there something bigger? Yeah, exactly. Because okay. if, it, because if it's chores-
1: um, then it's just like with my with my four kids. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, okay, no, but I did it last time. I shouldn't have to do it again. Yeah. No, but it's their turn. No, I don't Which, want to. Well, get, by the way,
0: we hear that, yeah, right? Exactly. As volunteer teams, a- right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so the this idea is, is, is
1: there something deeper yeah. to this than just simply showing up, handing out bulletins, throwing on a parking vest, standing at a coffee bar, whatever? Is there something beyond this? That goes deeper than we're just we're just showing up and putting in our time, and so that we can check off the box to say that right. we did. Um, and, and I think for us, the the thing that really began to crystallize in a way was to recognize that um, in church world. When we're talking about those who are coming in from the outside, there are so many opportunities that we have to offend people and to get
0: their first exposure to a church completely wrong. Um, because, you mean make them feel uncomfortable or make them mad, uh, get undefined, offend there? All of the
1: above. Okay. I think we can. I think we can make them uncomfortable by asking for things before we should, asking for mm. commitments or whatever before we should. You know, I mean, the the yeah. age old example is, you know, all of our visitors stand yeah. and introduce
0: yourself to the entire congregation. Yeah, we rocked the lapel ribbons yes, a, growing up. Right. I remember they were oh, stuck on the inside of the bulletin and it we a ribbon that said, it said visitors. Yes, invi- we had yeah.
1: fabric roses. That nice. was like in my that, church growing up, you yeah, had a little fabric nice. peel off rose. Um, and, and so things, and, and we weren't doing those sort of things. Yeah. But but at the same time, like when when guests were coming in, not visitors, but when guests were coming in, um, we realized that we were we were coming at the weekend experience from an insider's perspective, and what we needed to do was come at it from an outsider's perspective, realizing that we were extending a hand of the gospel to somebody. Um, by saying, we've thought through this for you. Mm. Um, we're not doing this service this weekend for us. Yes, it's partially for us. It's partially for the believers in the room. But we're also doing it opening the doors to say, we want you to come in and we want you to be a part of this. We want there to be a place at the table for you. Um, and and I think that was the genesis of our Um, you know, moving from that first category of just kind of show up and do your job to there's something more behind this. um, That we don't want to do anything that is going to uh, take your focus off what should be your focus this weekend,
0: and that's you being able to hear the gospel clearly. What was it? It feels like there was a little bit of the practical side of it Mm -hmm. for Summit. Yeah, we had, you know, we had these stressors of of growth beyond our mm-hmm. capacity or, you know, growth beyond our facility. And so you had to kind of install some of those systems. Right. But then there's also this, this deeply spiritual, personal, like, hey, there's something more to this. This, this is not just, you know, traffic flow on a Sunday morning, make sure we get people in and out. Mm-hmm. There's, this is, this is a, a part of the experience as much as the sermon, right? Yeah, and yeah, exactly. You're, you're, You know, your book, People Are the Mission, you know, the the phrase you use quite a few times in there is the sermon begins in the parking lot. Right, right. right. And so there's there's a little bit of that going on. Talk to me about your leadership in that time. Was there a breakthrough moment? Was there a defining moment in that season where you just kind of said— I get it now. Yeah, this is this is what it means. And then what happened after that?
1: Yeah, I think. Well, you know, first of all, the, the sermon starts in the parking lot. I think is uh, uh, that's certainly not original with me. Yeah, I, I think Andy I, Stanley. I, think said it's Andy it well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, Andy Stanley says everything. Four yeah. score and seven years ago, that was definitely him. Um, all the smart
0: stuff he says. Well, it, it, yeah, if it's if it, yeah, all the smart stuff Andy yeah. Stanley says. Yeah. All the other stuff Louie probably. That's said it. Right, 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 right. Um, I think four score was to him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But
1: um you know for us you know we, we realize that we can do we can do everything possible to make that 60 75 minutes inside the worship service flawless right great worship great preaching moments that you know draw people closer to the heart of God all of those things um, but if but if we are not thinking through what somebody sees first see the problem is they don't see those things first right. our guests don't yeah um, the first thing that our guests see is you know,
0: take the building we're sitting in now. We're in the middle of a warehouse district. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty surprised yeah. I'd never been to to your offices before. Right. And I'm like, well, I'm in, a, I'm in an industrial park. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the church bought some land down here. <laughs> and I roll up and Siri says, you're here. And I'm yes. like, well, that says Summit, but this doesn't look like a church. Yeah. This looks like... 3M Corporation. Right, you know, or, right. Or, or,
1: and which know. it may actually have been. That may okay. have been one of the tenants here before yeah. we showed up. But uh, yeah, we, we had a, um, yeah, I had a guy that I, I invited to church uh, a while back and and he called me, after, you know, 30 minutes after he was supposed to be here. And uh, he said, man, I, where are you guys? And so I gave him the address. He said, yeah, I'm on the street. Like I don't see a church. And I said, By any chance are you looking for a steeple and stained glass? He said, That's exactly what I'm looking for. I was like, have you not seen the hundred signs that are out there? But anyway. it's Raleigh, North
0: Carolina. <laughs> exactly. It's, there's not white columns, They're stained right. glass, and a steeple. Yeah. So, yeah. So to go right to those churches. Yeah.
1: We we spend so much time, I think, engineering the weekend service, which right. we should, we should think through all of those moments in the service, but at the same time that's not the first thing that our guests see. Yeah. And so we yeah. need to think through what are they seeing first? Are they seeing a cluttered parking lot? Are they seeing a bunch of doors that they don't know which one they're supposed to go into? Are they seeing, um, you know, volunteer graders that are sitting out there talking to each other rather than focusing on them? Mm-hmm. Um, are they able to find an open parking spot? I mean, right. I, can, I can remember in college, um, circling a church parking lot for about 10 or 15 minutes and then finally just giving up and going back to my dorm because yeah. it was easier to do that than it was to, you know, park down the street and walk over. I didn't have anything invested in that church. And um, and, and that's, the, I think that's the way that a lot of our guests are. Um, so so that's kind of where the, we we wanted to make sure that the messages that they were hearing on the stage were being supported by the messages that they were hearing and seeing and feeling mm-hmm. out on the sidewalk. Um, and so that, that was another kind of, there was another rock that sort of dropped in the middle of right. this bucket of reinventing what we talk about when we talk about guest services. Um, and, and in all of that kind of led us to this, this one phrase that sort of crystallized it all for us. Um, and that is that the gospel is offensive, but nothing else should be. Um, we, we recognize as a church, we have the choice to do the same thing that any other preacher has done for the last 2,000 years. You can either backpedal and and soften the message of the gospel, right? or you can preach the gospel the way that the gospel is meant to be preached, um, with all of its offenses, with all of its bold statements, Hellfire, with all Britain, of its, yeah, stuff. with all of its proclamations. Yeah, yeah. And recognize that even though that particular message may be offensive to the hearers, that everything on the road to that message is paved with rose petals and puppy fur. I mean, we want to make sure that that people are not mad because they were afraid to leave their kids in a sketchy kids area, upset because the bathrooms yeah. were out of paper towels, uh, mad because, you know, we were asking admission when they sat down and, you know, passing the offering bucket yeah, or, yeah. or whatever, or that people ignored them. There's all kinds of offenses that we can fix. The gospel is the one thing that we shouldn't try to fix. We
0: don't want to fix we
1: do, it. We don't, want to, we don't want to fix that offense. I mean, and, and by the way, if if people just heard that and they're offended by the fact that I said the gospel is offensive, I mean, the gospel says that about itself. Yeah, yeah. First Corinthians yeah. 1.18. Yeah. The gospel is, the, the, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Right. Um, the scripture says that about itself. And so we recognize every weekend we have people coming in here, and they do not like what we preach, but they can't argue with the way that they were made to feel. and if And if mm-hmm. we make them feel like we loved them, we we planned for them, we wanted them to show up, we can't wait for them to come back. What we find is, more often than not, they do come back, even though they didn't like the message. And eventually their very cold hearts grow warm. And they're able to be opened to the gospel. People who are formerly hostile to it now are
0: Jesus followers who couldn't imagine life any other way. I can imagine though, Danny, there's some that are out there is like, well, but does the gospel really need that? Like, you know, does the gospel really need our help? Does the gospel to make people feel warm? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I know there's leaders out there who are probably going, well, no, it. you know, you, you can't add to it. It's, you got to be offensive if they're offended you know, they're, yeah. they're already on the way to hell anyway. So what are we supposed to, I mean, like, why is that? Mm-hmm. Why does that matter to you guys? Why is it so important to rose petals and puppy fur? Right. It's a, just a great image. Yeah. Um, full of sights, sounds, feels. I mean, it's every <laughs> yeah. sense there yeah. that's, that's on there. Um, why is that important? Why, why are you guys saying, Hey, you know what? It, yeah, it is the gospel is offensive, but a church should be the safe mm-hmm. place uh, I think I think what you said was safe place for those who are offended and what what a, a, a challenging place for those who are comfortable and a yeah. safe place for those yeah. who are offended. Yeah,
1: and and I think um, to answer the question. Yeah. No, the gospel doesn't need a robust parking team in order to yeah. function effectively. I mean, obviously, yeah. uh, the, you know, there are. If the Apostle Paul could share the gospel successfully with a uh, Roman guard that was chained to him in a prison, yeah. surrounded by people, you know, like that Roman screaming guard didn't and being need a good tortured, guest services, right? Yeah. Paul Paul didn't yeah. have to set up yeah. a coffee bar for yeah. this guy to hear the hear the gospel clearly, um, but but at the same time. We want to make sure that there are no barriers that are standing in somebody's way. And if 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 one of the things that it takes for us to remove a barrier is to pick up the trash in the parking lot, then by all means, let's pick up the yeah. trash in the parking lot. And and people can say, well, folks shouldn't get offended over those things. Well, okay, fine. But we all get offended over things that somebody next door to us would think, well, that's silly. Um, we we can't control people's offenses. Um, what we can do is make sure that we are, we are setting up an environment very intentionally. When people come into our quote unquote house on the weekend, mm-hmm. um, when, when people come into our spaces, we can make sure that we have done everything possible to help them hear one clear, cohesive message. That clear, cohesive message is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to save you from your sins. Mm-hmm. The, the competing messages should not be, hey, I'm sorry we didn't have enough volunteers in the kids area this morning. You're going to have to take your, you know, two-year-old teething toddler into the service with you Um, that message shouldn't be They're not
0: hearing anything yeah
1: that message shouldn't be um our volunteer wasn't paying attention when you were trying to find a parking spot and you had to park three zip codes over um Mm -hmm. that message shouldn't be hey i reached out to seven different staff members to get this question answered and nobody ever emailed me back those are the offenses we can control to make sure that the main message that we want people to hear um are are, is the thing that they actually
0: hear yeah i Love that. I think that's why pastors, that's why we should all care, right? That Mm -hmm. we should all care about this because in our culture today, we get distracted and, and, you know, people do that. How do you, it's obvious you have a passion for, for the the guest experience for Mm -hmm. hospitality. How do you motivate a team to lead with that? I mean, to hear that and see that and be just so that, so the, you know, kind of random guy in the parking lot with the, Goofy Orange Vest or Dopey? I don't remember <laughs> dorky which, Orange dorky Vest. Dorky Orange Vest, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, how do they carry that same passion? How do you get your team to be as excited about it? Because I think there's a lot of probably people who lead guest services teams mm-hmm. or, or, or pastor churches leading churches that hear this and go, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Yeah. Danny, you're right on. But my people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, first of all,
1: none of this happened overnight for us. Wait, wait, what? None awesome. of the, yeah, yeah, overnight blew it, up. We did not uh, do the "I Dream of Jeannie" had not I blink and everything changed. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of conversations. Yeah. There were there was a lot of grandfathering in literal grandfathers who had been doing this before <laughs> I was born. Literally grandfathering. Um, yeah, and 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 just helping people understand. The purpose behind the changes that were being made in something as seemingly uh, neutral as how we hand out bulletins and who that team is housed under, or, or whatever, you know that that so seems that was like a major a very, change for some. That, that seems like a very very simple change, um, but. Those in church world are laughing right now because they know that nothing's ever that simple. Um, And and so, part of it was just having some really heart-to-heart conversations with volunteers who I knew I loved because, again, I'd been here on staff for a a while by that point, and and explaining what was what the changes that were being made, but also explaining. We still want you to do this. Your job is fundamentally changing. This is not what you signed up to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we didn't want to just kick everybody to the curb because we had a new way of doing things. Right. Um, we, we wanted them to stay. And so we asked for you know X number of months for them to But it would be so much easier around. just
0: to recruit a new team to do it in a new way than to try to train it. Oh, of course
1: team. it would. But you don't have that historical knowledge. You don't yeah. have um, the people who have given blood, sweat, and tears. You don't have the people who they love this ministry and yeah. could not imagine doing anything different. But at the same time, um, the way that it was being done 5, 10, 15 years before that may not be as effective now. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, we, to, to answer the how do you inspire volunteers to do that, I think we, you know, we, we pull a, play, a page from the Simon Sinek playbook and we just start with the why. We, we want what is want for y'all? Our why is the gospel. Yeah. Um, when people show up for our training, for our First Impressions team, I think a lot of times they're expecting, especially the type A people, are expecting us to give them a 75-point checklist on this is how yeah. you park a car. Man, there's an open spot, put a car in it. That That's your two steps uh, yeah. to, on how to be on the parking team. The, the why goes much way farther beyond that. Um, we are helping them to anticipate guest needs, um, we're helping them understand that the big win of that weekend is not that you get every car in every spot. The big win of that weekend is that everybody he- clearly hears the gospel being communicated. And Brian, what's that? What that's translated to for us is that we have parking team volunteers who are sharing the gospel in the parking lot before they ever show up in the service, <laughs> um, because they they yeah. fully bought into yeah. this and they realize my job is not to stand out here in an orange vest. My job is to be a representative of the gospel of Jesus. And so if I do that by pasting a smile on my face, genuinely having a smile on my face and having a heart to serve people, if I do that by actually sharing the gospel with people, really able to get beyond the, Hey, how are you this morning? No, I'm fine. And getting beyond that and getting into, no, my life is falling apart and using that as a platform to be able to share the gospel. Then that is a,
0: we, we count that as a win, even if we don't get every parking spot filled. Do you guys have any stated values or language that shapes that? Why is there something you consistently go back to? Yeah. Before Danny gets into the first impression plumb lines that shape the guest welcoming culture at the Summit Church, let me address the elephant and the headphones or car speakers or whatever you're listening to this podcast through. It's your church's guest experience. You're probably thinking one of two things at this point of the podcast. You're thinking, my church needs this, so I will just copy what the Summit is doing or some other rapidly growing church in your area or you're saying my church needs this and I'm not even sure where to start. Bob Adams and I host Oxano's Guest Experience Bootcamp. Yes, this is a shameless plug. Hey, it's the first time in 12 episodes. All right, where was I? Oh yeah, Bob Adams and I host Oxano's Guest Experience Bootcamp and in 2019, we have three two-day workshops on the calendar to help you and your team build a culture of hospitality a culture uniquely designed for your church. This is not another talking head event. I mean, haven't we had enough of those? Oxano's Guest Experience Bootcamp is a two-day, hands-on event for you and four other of your team members to immerse yourself in everything guest services, from the seven critical points of decision every guest will reach, to principles from the greatest guest experience in the world, even to the nuts and bolts of leading volunteers. You will emerge after two days with a plan on paper. Yes, you heard it, you'll have a plan, not just a bunch of notes and quotes. We're bringing the Guest Experience Bootcamp to Southern California in January, Orlando in April, and Cincinnati in August. Check out Oxano.com and go to our Guest Experiences growth track from the top menu to learn more and register. But hurry, we limit the number of churches who can attend in order to make sure that we provide the best hands-on training and follow-up that's critical to your guest experience success. Again, Oxano.com and the Growth Track tab at the top, select guest experiences to find out more. Now, back to Danny Franks as he unpacks the guiding principles, they call them plumb lines at the Summit Church, that guide their First Impressions ministry
1: we um we, we call those our our plumb lines and we have plumb lines for everything around here okay uh, for first impressions we have five of them uh two of them kind of already uh, mentioned The 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 top most important one is the gospel is offensive nothing else should be uh and that's we, specifically for first Impressions? specifically for first okay. impressions okay. even though that has infiltrated all over our church like that okay. is, that's something that yeah. is I, I would say pretty common language in in uh, Pretty In shared our ministry to ministry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the gospel's offense and nothing else should be. Another one we've already talked about is the why is more important than the what. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really care that you know all of the fine-tuned aspects of your yeah. job. I want you to know why you're standing here yeah. doing this, because if you know the why, you'll figure out the what most of the time. Um, everything speaks is another one. Uh, we we want to make sure that every single detail right. is uh, contributing to the overall story that's being told. Um uh the the first visit should set up the second visit uh we we know that most people don't respond to the gospel the first time that they hear it. And yeah. so we want to get them back, not so that our church is bigger uh, and better, but because we want to have another opportunity to share the gospel. And then that, uh, the other one, I'm getting these a little out of order, but uh, the other one is make it personal. Yeah, um, We recognize that um, every weekend is somebody's first weekend, and we want to make sure that mm-hmm. as much as we can, we are meeting people exactly where they are to give them a very, Um, customize point A to point B. Not everybody's point A and point B is the same. And so we want to help figure out what their story is, where they are, where God has them, and then help them to get to whatever the next step is that's appropriate for
0: them. How often do you review that list? How often do you bring one of those pieces out? I mean, give us, I mean, let's go down to the nuts and bolts training. There's people probably that are thinking, Okay, good. What's that look like? You know, yeah, we, yeah. do you meet with everybody? You tell you every every week? He you does, know, is that yeah. every month? I mean, do you send them a bunch of emails? Cause those are very effective. Oh, right, sure. Uh, oh, I people mean, always read. How them. do you, how do yeah. you embed that why? Mm-hmm. Like give practical steps of that parking person or that that door greeter, how did that that language of the why, how does that get in their mm. heart and soul? I don't necessarily
1: think that it is, um, you're, you're getting that across by bringing people out for quarterly meetings where you're going over the same stuff. Yeah, and, you can't, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and what I learned, I mean, early on in this, because we used to, we used to have that, hey, you know, twice a year, we're gonna have a big rally and bring all the volunteers right, together. Right. And what I realized after about the second time was, we're teaching them the exact same thing. Um, there, there's nothing new under the sun. There's no newer way for us to explain that the gospel is offensive and nothing else should be. I mean, yeah, there are other ways that you can nuance that. You can right. tell stories around that. But, But at the same time, what we realized is that has got to be more of a – uh, more of a cult than taught sort of yeah. mentality we've got to put those things in in the common verbiage and vernacular so that when somebody hears that they're not hearing it one time when they're trained mm-hmm. and then they're never hearing it again but they're you know they're they're seeing it in the volunteer you know headquarters uh, on posters on the wall they're they're hearing it in those emails that we know everybody reads they're they're hearing it in stories that people are telling from the weekend of this is a this is an example of how every speaks and how we um, were able to make those details really hum, you know, in, yeah. in the middle of... So in, you're the just dropping weekend. that
0: language in that's different the hope. places yeah, you that's and your hope. team are just... And yeah, and yeah in, a,
1: in a multi-site church, that is obviously, the, the difficulty of that is yeah. multiplied. But but at the same time, um, that that is language that I would hope that if our First Impressions volunteers don't remember one other thing, um, you know, we, we want them to know primarily the gospel's offensive, nothing else should be. If they remember one of those other four palm lines, that's just a bonus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um so as you're as you're leading across campuses and you have a team that's doing this, what are, you know, what are some of the the again real pro- practical ways? Are they are they circling up every morning before service? Are they doing some things? Again, I, let's let's dip down into the weeds a little bit here. Give us a sense of what that system looks like. On a week in, week out basis, mm-hmm. so that so that we can understand that how those plumb lines fall in. Yeah, a, a lot of that. I mean, obviously,
1: uh, you know, being a multi site, um, there's that tension. Yeah, you know that you've just got to manage that. Yeah. We we do not dictate how often. Or exactly when you do a volunteer rally, we have some campuses, some teams that will do. Uh, they huddle up every every single weekend before the service begins. Right. Uh, we have others that they might, you know, the service might get started. They scale back to a skeleton crew, and then they kind of huddle up. We have some that they don't huddle up every week; they do it twice a month or, or whatever. Um, we we leave that up to our campus leadership to decide what what works best in that particular context. But at the, the same time, the expectation is there. We want you to go back to these things again and again. And well, again. how do you know that culture is being stewarded? And how do you? Um, know? I mean, a lot. Talk, speaking just strictly for the ministry that I'm a part of, a lot of that is me just being present and, and being around. Uh, a lot of it is conversations with campus leadership to ask what what's working, what are you doing, what's effective. Um, and you know, I think a lot of that begins to show itself by the culture uh, on, on the campus level. You know, if, okay. if you begin to see. Uh, or, or hear stories of, you know, a guest had a, a really bad experience or, or whatever, usually you can trace that smoke back yeah. to a fire um, and, and figure out something's something's gone wrong culturally. Uh, sure, everybody has a bad weekend every once in a while and things fall apart. Yeah. We, we all can attest to that. But but there are differences between um, random systems issues that break down and cultural issues when culture is broken. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so some of the and I I would say it's hard to say that in any case there's going to be a wholesale culture is broken situation. Right. But there might be certain outposts of that culture that has, you know, it's kind of fallen by the wayside. And you get a sense of that.
0: Through stories, right? You I get a you sense have, of that. You get a sense of that through stories. Either stories you know, being told do, or not being told, right? Exactly.
1: We, we do uh, we, we do surveys with our first-time guests that give us their contact information. Simple four-question survey, just what did you notice? What, did you, like? what did you like? What did you not like? email them. Um, that particular survey goes out through the email that they okay. will get from yeah. the campus pastor. Um, but then, yes, we, we call our first-time guests yeah. just to say thanks for visiting. Um, and and just ask how their experience was, and and we ask that call question Call every
0: first time guest.
1: Uh, that is, well, I mean, the look, goal. Ideally, ideally, yes, ideally, ideally every saying, first time guest that us you? their phone yeah, number, yeah, 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 is, yeah, is called. Okay, uh, that's the expectation, and yeah. uh, and and when we make that phone call, one of the questions is how was your experience? Yeah. because that opens up, and it's not because we want to be this, you know, touchy feely seeker driven whatever. It's because we really do want to hear what what struck you this weekend when you were here with us? What was helpful? What was not helpful? Um, Because, you know, while one person may say, well, the auditorium was cold, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to crank the heat next weekend. Um, But if we begin to hear things that are systemic across Mm -hmm. the board, then it begins to give us a better feel for, oh, wait a second, we've had – Six people that told us no one spoke to them. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, that goes well beyond a volunteer issue. That gets down to a congregational issue. If if nobody is is speaking to them, yeah. and so we need to we need to address that. We need to figure out what's what's broken there and go back and, and look at that again.
0: It feels like on a certain level that that first time guest experience mm-hmm. is a is a really important health indicator. I think it is. I, I think it is. I, I
1: believe um, I think it's Rich Birch that says that uh, you I may be getting I may be getting my source wrong here, but you should have um, you should have the number of first time guests in a given year as you have attendance on a given weekend. So, yeah. for example, if you have 1,000 people at your church this weekend, you have 1,000 first time guests over the course of this year. Um, I, I don't I don't necessarily. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's yeah. a if that's a great stat or a bad stat. Seems like a good stat yep. because he. But threw beyond it out the
0: there. number, the experience is really it. The, the yeah, indicator. because
1: if you have a thousand first time guests over the course of the year, but only a hundred of them show back up for a second time, then have you bought yourself anything? Like what yeah, what, what good yeah. does that do you? Um, and of course, some of that is figuring. I mean, there are people that are visiting your church because they're on vacation or they're visiting family yeah. that attend your church yeah. or whatever. You gotta define who yeah. a true yeah. first time yeah. guest is. But um if you're not if you're not reaching people in the community and and keeping people in the community, then why why are we showing up?
0: Yeah. Um so those stories mm-hmm. I mean, are you are you hearing stories? Are you asking for stories? Are you yeah, I know you're telling stories, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, you know, how we cast vision on some levels, especially with volunteers. Volunteers yeah. are motivated yeah. uh, in that way. Give, is there a story that's just kind of on your heart that's been yeah rather I, recent or one or your go-to? Right, right, right. This, this is one that
1: I'll never forget from 15 yeah, yeah, years right, ago, yeah. and we've never changed it. The other day, 15 years ago. <laughs> that's right. Um, I, I'll give you one. Fairly recent in the last few months, and uh, and I, first of all, I, I do believe it's important for us to have those stories. You can yeah. give stats all day long; stats don't grab people's hearts the way that stories do. Um, I, I got an email from uh, from one of our campuses uh, that was from staff from at one of the campus. Uh, this, no, this was a volunteer from a okay. campus who was who just wanted to tell this story, and this was not even a story that this volunteer was directly involved in. Um, she just wanted somebody to know about it. One of our first-time guest volunteers, was serving on Sunday morning, like normal. Uh, She sees a car pull up. uh, Four people get out of the car. uh, And three of these people are Chinese national college students. Okay. um, Who were in town uh, or in the area for three weeks for some sort of a very microwaved exchange program or whatever. Um, these three Chinese students were from three different provinces in China. They had never met each other before, met as a part of this program. One of their goals was they wanted to visit a Christian church. And okay. so they showed up at our Christian church. This fourth person had invited them uh, to come to church. Well, our first time guest volunteer, uh, Meets them in the course of you know her normal role on on the weekend, um, but but the Lord just began stirring something in the middle of this conversation. Um, later, like not that same day, but later, she and her husband called up these exchange students who she had gotten their information. Said, "Hey, we'd love to come and pick all of you guys up and take you to to lunch." Uh, what college student is going to pass up a free lunch? Right, so right. they sure. So they take them for you know take them to a barbecue joint. Um, and as they sit down, one of the first questions this one of these college students ask is, so what do you think about Jesus? Well, there's your entry point. Right. So the wife starts sharing her testimony. Her husband starts sharing his testimony. Eight-year-old daughter starts sharing her testimony and telling why she believes Jesus is real and who he is. Yeah. These three college students come to faith. Wow. Um, not in a worship service, at a barbecue restaurant. Um, because of the faithfulness of this volunteer, not only to show up to serve, not only to walk across the parking lot and have a conversation, but also to go above and beyond and say, we would like for you to, uh, we would like to take you out to lunch and treat you to lunch and get to know you better. Well, these students were only there for three weeks. Uh, They go back to China. They're in all three of their different provinces, but the three of them begin to keep up with one another, touch base with one another, and the couple that had taken them to lunch. Um, they're all emailing back and forth one day and the, these three Chinese students say that, Hey, we've got a a school holiday that's coming up. The three of us are all going to get together in such and such city in China. Um, the, the American couple, they say, wouldn't it be fun if we could fly over? Um, because they had been doing this long distance discipleship with these new believers and, um, said it more or less as a joke. This lady mentioned it to one of her fellow volunteers. Fellow volunteer comes back to her a few days later and said, I really think that you should go. I know you were saying it as a joke. Write her a check for a thousand bucks and says, buy a plane ticket and go. Wow. She flies over. Um, she, she was the only one. She went over and, and flew over, spent a week discipling these students one-on-one. At this moment, she and her husband are now going through the process to become church planners uh, internationally, because God has done such a work in their wow. life over the last few months with the that all started because she was obedient in the parking lot to have a conversation with a few a few guests that uh, were, were new to the church that weekend. Now that's an extreme story, yeah, I get yeah. that. But at the same time, it's indicative of what God can do to people who are yielded to him and who are watching for those opportunities, not just to do church as normal, but to look for opportunities where the Holy Spirit just elbows you in the ribs and says, that's your one. That's the one that you need to talk to this morning. That's the person that I put you in this pew to talk to this morning. That's the person that you're in this parking lot to to share the gospel with this morning. That's when that that's when we go full circle and we realize we're not just here to check off a box and do a job. We're here to make sure that we are not only displaying, but proclaiming the gospel to every single person who comes into our circle of influence on the weekend.
0: I'm just going to let that sit for a second because that's, that's, that's a, not just a powerful story, but, but the moment that gets to the heart of really yeah. what's going on is that it, it is possible mm-hmm for someone's obedience as a parking lot volunteer to lead them to plant a church somewhere. Right. I mean, that is, that is what discipleship looks like. Yes. We frame discipleship and showing up for a class and some of those things, but really what it is is nurturing the spiritual growth of every person in our church to see God's ultimate plan in their life, it's so much bigger than that. Right. Um, I have about 18 other questions. <laughs> yeah. And at the risk of asking the same question again, mm-hmm. I just come back to the fact though, that so much of the park, the roles in a parking lot, the roles mm-hmm. of the door are transactional. And mm-hmm. like in my church, if someone had that kind of conversation, mm-hmm. man, there's, there's a traffic jam happening now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's like, it's just, it's just smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave, right, right? right? I mean, like, how do you guys actually? How does that actually happen? Yeah. Like, where they're, they have permission, or they have the presence of mind, mm-hmm. or really they have the posture. I could think of a few other p words, and don't yeah, yeah. Don't, don't tempt me <laughs> to actually carve time to do that. I mean, right. yeah, I, I think. Well,
1: well, first of all, of course. Not every volunteer is leading three Chinese students to Jesus every week. Yeah, yeah. um so the the vast majority of our conversations are, yes, they they are transactional. Yeah, they are, yeah. I'm going to smile at you. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. engage with you by yeah. just saying good morning, yeah. whatever. but but it's also being available. To, um, to have those conversations and to pull away and not just be able to look at what you're doing on the weekend is oh no, my job is to stand on this tile and hand out this bulletin. And your job is to be a, a representative of Jesus. And so whatever that looks like for you that weekend, that's what you need to do. But I, but I think too, it goes into this kind of um, more of an abundance mentality where we have to recognize that a bare minimum number of volunteers usually will yield bare minimum experiences. And, and I mean that very, very practically in, um, if that lady at the first time guest tent had not had three or four other ladies serving with her at the first time guest tent, she would not have had the time or the bandwidth to peel off and spend 15 minutes talking to these three college students. Yeah. Because she had, like you said, traffic was backing up and other people were waiting to talk to her. So I will never be satisfied with the words, we don't need any more volunteers. Um, you always need more volunteers. Always, always, always. I realize that's easier said than done, but you always need more people to be a part of that mission. And I, I've I've just found um, you you will um, you will get the results that you have prepared for. Uh, if if you have a bare minimum number of volunteers, you're going to get a bare minimum number of results. But but you have to be able to help people understand. That this is not about me, you know, if this is only about me showing up, doing my job and leaving, then sure, have two or three people and get it done. Um, but but if we are bringing more people into the mission, it is allowing us to extend that mission farther to the people that are coming into mm-hmm. um, our circles of
0: influence. So it's, we need volunteers not just to cover the spots, but we need volunteers to create the space. We need
1: volunteers not because we need volunteers. We need volunteers because the volunteers need to serve as a part of their ongoing discipleship process. Like, I don't ever want to guilt people into serving because that's just what you're supposed to do and it's family chores. Now take out the trash and be happy about it. I want you to serve because the Holy Spirit has awakened something inside of you to identify the gifts that you've been given Mm. in order to serve other people. Now figure out what that gift is. If your gift isn't to be... Warm and friendly and fuzzy to people because that's not everybody's thing. I I get that. That's fine. Yeah. Um. Then then by all means use your spreadsheet gifts to keep the church <laughs> you know in the black and out of trouble. Yeah. That that's that's fine. Whatever it is that that the spirit has worked in you. First um, Peter four ten. Use that gift mm. as a good steward of the manifold grace of God, of the, the, the varied grace of God, as a, another translation says. Um, when when you sit on your gifts, you're not allowing um, the, the Holy Spirit to display the yeah. varied grace of God in the way that he wants to do it in your church.
0: I love that. And, and that heartbeat is just at the core of people are the mission. Mm-hmm. And again, when, when did that book come out? How long ago? Uh, March, of, of this year, March of this year, year. So it's, mm-hmm. it's still fresh out there. I think sure. it's a resource. I've already recommended it. I've already gifted it, um, you know, it, to my home church. I mean, listen, yeah. my home church does well at guest services, sure. but when I look at it through the lens of the gospel, I'm like, huh? Yeah. There's, there's, there's something here to do that. Just you know, what else mm-hmm. have you not said yet? Because at this point in the podcast, we've got the guests—you know, the people that are eating, sleeping, and breathing guest service. Right, right, right. If you're a senior pastor and you're still listening, <laughs> God bless you. We love you, but we know most of your uh, most of your colleagues have already checked out. Now. Yes, but we're talking right. right now to the heart of the guest experience leaders, those hospitality leaders. Yeah. What else is kind of a conclusion here? Would you say, like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, if you could as a leader, mm-hmm. not as the volunteers, but as a leader, you know, this is Danny handing off Danny's nuggets of wisdom or Danny's passion, what what is that gonna look like? Yeah, I, I would say that it
1: has to be, there has to be a passion there for it. Um, and if and if this has not been something that you've wrestled with in your own heart and life that's not going to translate well down to your volunteers. Um, They need to be able to see you go ahead of them to think through all of these things for the guests, to bring them in and to be a part of that. Uh, Because, I, I, I mean, Nobody. I have never met anyone, including the person that I look at in the mirror every morning, um, who said I want to be a guest services pastor when I grow up. Like nobody. (laughs) That's not a track in seminary. That's that's not a thing. It's it's not or not that I know of. Um, But. But the reality is, is that this is an important part mm. of 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 what we're called to as you know as believers. Um, all we're talking about is biblical hospitality. When we're talking about guest services on the weekend, we're taking a biblical virtue and we're putting it together on an institutional level. That's all we're talking about. Um, and, and the and the tragedy here, by the way, would be and maybe this maybe this gets to the heart of the the question. Um, I do not want a bunch of um, uh, Navy SEAL level guest services volunteers who are phenomenal at their job, uh, can park cars and put rear ends in seats with the best of them and know the answer to every single question and they leave the church at 12.15, and by 12.45, they're at Chili's and they're belittling their waitress. Mm. I don't want a great guest services volunteer who never speaks to their neighbors and lives out of hospitality in their, in their neighborhood. Um, if we're doing it on the weekend, but we're not living it during the week, that's a problem. Uh, but because we're, we're just kind of playing at this Christian hospitality game. And I'll be very, very honest. This is a struggle for me. Um, I'm, I'm that guy who loves to, you know, pull in his driveway, get in the garage, shut the door and, you know, go in and just it's me time at that point. Um, And and so this is something that I have to fight against in my own soul every single day, every single time I see a neighbor pulling the trash to the curb, every single time that, you know, there's the neighborhood potluck or or whatever it is like, okay, this is not just about what you do on the weekend. It's about how you're living this out um, in, in everyday
0: life. So for the pastor or or leader who's trying to find that person. Yeah. Right? They, yeah. They need someone to lead the charge. Right. You're saying more than willingness to do it, mm-hmm. look at evidence of doing it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think so. I, I think that it is, you know, not it's not always going to necessarily be the friendliest person in your congregation. Um, it's not always going to be the person in your congregation who's just looking for something to do, mm-hmm. another job for you to give them. Um, you know, we, we have a pretty open-handed policy around here that if a ministry leader sees somebody in another ministry that they feel like is a better fit, um, and they've got to have really good reasons why yeah, they think yeah, they're a better yeah. fit. It, it's not just go out in the middle of the night and poach them and bring them back to your pasture. It is... Good solid conversations with both that potential volunteer and the leader of the ministry they're currently in, yeah, yeah. and and making sure that we're we're all on the same page with this because I've got man I've got great volunteers that were really good at what they did that we kind of gifted quote unquote to another uh, ministry area because it was just a better fit for them there and they could bless that team more than they you know might be able to ours and vice versa, so so I think that um that for for that leader who is looking for those new volunteers um again doesn't happen overnight um those volunteers are not just you know it's not just like you go out and it's like shooting fish in a barrel you you've got to put in the work to find them to have a lot of conversations and some people are out there they just don't know it yet um, you've got to see those gifts in them that you begin to call out of them, mm-hmm. um, and, and and give them some opportunities to serve and to thrive in the areas where God has uniquely wired them. So, practical handle on that. Mm-hmm. What
0: are the top two to three qualities you, Danny, look for mm-hmm. when you're recruiting another high capacity, high level leader? In the, in the summit's hospitality or, or first impression team? Yeah, for Two us specifically. Three, yeah, the, top, the, top the
1: obvious thing. answer is somebody who's a people person, but even okay. that is not necessary. People person can mean all kinds of things. Yeah. Is that the gregarious one who can sit yeah. up in front of 800 people or is it one that just has good one-on-one conversations? Yeah. Yes, it's both yeah. of those. Um, I think somebody who is, uh, has somewhat of an attention to detail because mm-hmm. um, they've got to notice the trash on the sidewalk. They've, got, they've to got to care. Yeah, they've got yeah, to care. Yeah. And they've got to, when they tell somebody they're going to follow up with them on Monday morning, and they got to follow up with them on Monday morning. Um, so, so I think that those are kind of my big two. Um, and and outside of that, I think it's just somebody who's a good dreamer of just yeah. being able to say, what, what if we, what if we did this or tried this or experimented with this, um, in order to continue to widen the table that we yeah. have and to, to cause additional places for people to be able to come in and to and, and to take a seat.
0: It's yeah. great. Um, I, I, I'm ready to ask my three questions okay. to wrap it up. I mean, unless there's anything <laughs> else you'd say, uh, you know, we didn't cover that you, you feel like, hey, listen, this was something that was on your heart. Um, uh, no, I, I think, um, you
1: know, I, I think for a lot of this, I mean, to, to go back to the beginning yeah. part of the conversation, um this is nothing new. Yeah, like no, nobody has listened to the last whatever fifty minutes of this podcast and said, "Oh, this is mind blowing. I've never heard this before." There, there is nothing um, earth shattering about this. If you last week, I was um, in uh, First Peter for my quiet time, and, and yeah. Peter gives this whole list of. Things that he says you you should you should add uh, to uh, Second Peter is actually Second Peter ta- talking about um, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and the goodness yeah. self control and uh, you know he gives all these lists but he goes on to say he says this I will always remind you of these things even though. You already know them and you're firmly established in them. I will continue to remind these things to you until the day that I die. What Peter is saying is there's nothing new that you need to learn. You just need to go back to the basic things and do those things. Um, And and, and so I think that's the way it is with this hospitality thing. Nobody's sitting there going, oh, we should be a friendly church. I should write that down. Now, (laughs) we know these things. It's just going back and revisiting things over and over again to make sure that we have not begun
0: to assume that they're happening and they're not really happening. Love it. I love it I ask every guest three questions yep uh, what's one daily or regular habit you practice that keeps you close to the heart of God
1: ah this sounds so trite but it it's true um I I have to start the day just reading God's word and just spending time in prayer yeah. um, I am I think that old hymn writer was writing the song about me when he says prone to wander Lord yeah. I feel it yeah um, if I don't spend time grounding myself in the gospel every day, I find that I am—I can become a self-righteous Pharisee really, really fast. Like before I hit the office, uh, coming down the freeway, I can be that guy. Um, You lay on the horn. Oh man, I don't—I don't put a—I don't put a a church bumper sticker on my car for that exact reason. I'm too bad of a driver, and uh, yeah. So um, I I think that uh, that is the habit. That, What's it look like for you? Uh, for me, really practically. So I'm 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 a little bit of an early riser. Uh, I'm I think what Matt Perman refers to as the 5 a.m. club. So yeah. um, get up early, you know, yeah. kind of get, get ready. I have to do that before the rest of the family gets up, or else you know I am all it's off to the races, and so uh, it, it's got to be it's got to be me and Jesus, and nobody else is invited to that to that party. Um, and, and so it is just working through whatever in. In, in my Bible reading plan, and I, I mix that up from time to time so that I'm not just always doing the, the same thing over right. and over again. Um, it's spending time in prayer, and because I am uh, not a good prayerer, um, I work through a list, and I have kind of a cyclical you know list of things that i pray for you know daily weekly monthly all of that did you set that um, up or is that something you use or... um i think i might actually get to that in another question okay, okay. Uh, I, i'm not saying that i know what the other two questions are but we might get there um i did so send them to you ahead of time you did send so those I ahead appreciate of time yeah you, you came to this i, podcast I read with I, the print out
0: yeah. and i appreciate it that.
1: yeah that's right so so i think i think it's that i think it's just spending time with the lord and then just um just figuring out ways to learn and i'm not even talking about spiritual learning at this point, just a little So so for me, that's, I just, I I have a block of time set aside that I just read every day Um, and read widely, you know, theological things, church things, ministry things, and also, you know, whatever the biggest new fiction book is or, or yeah. whatever or you know business book or, or something like that so. I, I feel guilty sometimes when I read fiction
0: books like I'm oh, not so I'm supposed to be
1: better than that you, was right? a massive hurdle for me to get like, over I'm not and once to I jumped like John like, like, yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. exactly no you, you definitely shouldn't You're, yeah. you probably should question yourself weird, like yeah, yeah, am man. I really
0: supposed to terrible I mean yeah. shit
1: you know but yeah.
0: I find the story is where
1: right. I, I love stories. Yeah. But but I, I think it is just um, making reading and not part of your daily Bible yeah. reading, but just making reading other books uh, is is so important for for leaders to be able to continue to sharpen you know, the tools that are well, in the toolbox. Let's talk about books. In
0: yeah, is there one book you consistently recommend or give as a gift?
1: Yeah, so I, I cannot narrow this down to one. Um, I, I'll is there divide one, it or, into two. one or
0: two or three or four. Yes, there is that.
1: Um, I, I think in the spiritual realm, uh, going back to the the conversation about prayer, um, a praying life by Paul Miller. Uh, was just a complete game changer for for our entire staff when we read through it a few years ago. Um, that is one that for people like me who are not great at prayer, uh, it, it helps to mm-hmm. really work through a very practical approach um, to what prayer looks like to to build those mechanical systems so that organic growth can take place out of that. Um, so that was uh, really kind of revolutionized. Took me from a God bless all the missionaries and you Know to, to yeah. actually having a, a something that you could call prayer. Um, the other thing is prayer. You, you get what I'm saying. Uh, I think, no, no that, tell me more about why. No, one no, is let's prayer and let's definitely not, prayer. not go down that road. Um, then there is, uh, I think if there is more of a, a secular side, um, anything by Chip and Dan Heath is just mm-hmm. an amazing book. Uh, but their my two favorites used to uh, switch was mm-hmm. their um the one that I've probably given away more copies of that than anything else. Uh, And Switch is really, man, it's got so many spiritual overtones in it because it talks about, you know, how you shape the path to make certain things. If you're looking to create change in your church or with a volunteer or even in your spiritual life— Switch is not a Christian book, but there are so many things in there that's like I think they just stumbled backwards with their eyes closed into the the nature of humanity and original sin yeah. and the gospel. I mean, there's so many good things there, um, and but then they just came, their latest book was uh, the Power of Moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written is exactly for guest services people, um, and uh, they, you know the, the big thesis of that book is that most moments in life are occasionally remarkable but mostly forgettable. But you can engineer the those moments, um, whatever, epic epic moments, epic moments. And uh, so that those are, those are kind of my, my two or three big ones that I am constantly
0: recommending or handing out. Sweet. Last question, Mm -hmm. wrap with this. If you go back to your first year of ministry and tell yourself Mm -hmm. one thing, what would it be? If I could go back, I would tell myself
1: uh, to relax a lot more than, I do. I War. tend to do. Um, I mean, relax, not only in the literally Sabbath, you know, resting in who God is and, you know, the, the time that he has commanded you to, to take, uh, but also um, just relax. I'm, I'm very much, a, I want to get my plans on paper. Um, and I have noticed about myself over the years and in shockingly more recent uh, times, that I still am not to the point where I can let go of the perfect plans that I have on paper. Um, A lot of times, and I'm talking about like with events and with, Mm. you know, ministry strategies and all these kind of things, or or even with, hey, I told you this in the email, you should have read it, whatever. Um, I I think um, if things don't go according to plan, uh, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, outside of salvation, there are very, very few things in life or in ministry that are as life and death as we think that, they're, that they are. that they are. Um, and, and so for me, what that has looked like a lot of times is I will make an idol out of the plan that I have on paper for this event or initiative or whatever it is. And if I am not very, very careful and not keeping myself close to the heart of God, I can sacrifice people on that altar of idolizing the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we we have to recognize that there is, our, our plans are just plans. Um, but but the people that God has called us to serve, like that's, that's who we're here for. We're not here for our plans, we're here for the people. And, and so, um, yeah, relax would be just chill out and if it doesn't go perfect, it's okay.
0: Sure. I thought you were about to say, people are the mission.
1: I was so close, You were cl- it was then right then I just, I, I reined uh, that back in. But it is available at fine
0: bookstores everywhere. <laughs> Danny, thank you very much for being on the Thanks podcast. Great to have you here. Yeah. Thank you for listening to My Ministry Breakthrough from the Oxano Podcast Network. You can head over to myministrybreakthrough.com to join the conversation and access our show notes including the books or other resources mentioned in this episode. If you enjoy hearing these stories of ministry breakthrough, we would be honored if you would subscribe, rate, and even leave a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Thanks again for listening.